0: We're digging into a series that we started a couple of weeks ago called Win the Day. Win the Day. And the whole idea behind this series is that everybody thinks about tomorrow. Come on now. Can we be honest? Yeah. Right? We all have goals. We all have aspirations. Some of them feel a little bit more far-fetched than others. But we're all looking forward to something. And that's great. But here's the problem with that. We, so many of us, we think about tomorrow that we forget about what we're responsible to do today we were we forget that winning for tomorrow always starts with winning every day right on the very practical level and so today I want to talk to you from the heart of God as we dig into the scriptures on the topic of challenging change challenging change how many of you would agree with this statement change is a challenge would you agree with that Right? Come on. You can tell on yourself. That's all right. Change is a challenge for me. You might not know this about me, but here's your pastor. One of the things that I am resistant to is change. I am a creature of comfort. I enjoy doing the same thing. Listen, I could tell you what I eat every single morning. Same breakfast every morning, same time every morning, same schedule, same agenda every morning. I just function that way. And so change is a challenge. But the truth is this, that change, while it may be a challenge, there's some reasons for it. Well, for one, we just kind of grow accustomed to what we're accustomed to. Would you agree? Right? How about this one? We like to be in the know, so we prefer the only thing that we do know. Right? We stay within the boundaries of what we know. We don't want to learn anything new. And I get it. Change is uncomfortable. And yet the reality is that change is not only necessary, it's the way that God operates. It's the way that God operates. God never invites us to the same. God calls us to step into the new. The book of Isaiah says this Hey, forget the old. Consider, I'm doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? Right? And so change is a thing. It's a good thing, but it's not just a good thing. It's a God thing. Right? And I want you to think about change like a car. Right? Think of it this way a car that's constantly on the go. But for many of us, it's a car that we never change the tires on. Now, I know that right now some of you are going, well, you know, you're reading my mail because I need to change my tires. They're bald. Can I tell you, friend, you need to do that quickly? Why? Because while you can go somewhere, it won't won't be long-lasting. At some point, it's going to create other issues for you. It's going to cause your alignment in life to go off, it's gonna cause you to get stuck in certain places in life. And so change is necessary. And just like a car needs a change of tires, we need to change some of those things that serve as the wheels that carry us throughout our daily lives. Things like routines, things like habits, things like attitudes, things like erroneous beliefs and perspectives, right? And so it stands to reason then that if we're gonna win the day, every day, If we're going to win at life, if we're going to enjoy the promised life that Jesus said where he promised us, I came to give you life in greater abundance, to enjoy more than what you know. If we're going to enjoy that, it stands to reason that we must be willing to challenge our perception of change. We must be willing to face that very thing that we resist, which is change. And so in the scriptures, we have a great example. A great example from the life of a man named Jabez. And this example teaches us how to overcome the challenge of change. His life, it's interesting, is summed up in two verses. Just two verses. His whole life story is told in two verses. And it's not because his life is insignificant, it's not because his life is small and it doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, it's because his whole life story is told. In these two verses, God briefly but powerfully tells us how to face the cha- the challenges of change, how to overcome in those areas that we resist change, and how to step into this new life by embracing change. And so uh, these, the, uh, I want us to turn to 1 uh, Chronicles chapter 4, starting at verse 9. And let's read this together. It says, there was a man named Jabez who was more what? He was more honorable than any of his brothers. we got to remember that point. His mother named him Jabez. Now get this, this is messed up, man. This is messed up. His mother named him Jabez because his birth had been so painful. So painful. Verse 10. He was the one who prayed to the God of Israel. Oh, that you would bless me and expand my territory. Please be with me in all that I do and keep me from all trouble and pain and God granted him his request I want you to see something that God works in the middle of places where we're willing to change God works where there's a willing vessel to change God is all in the midst of change and so from these verses we see that Jabez lived with the constant reminder of his pain how do we know that This wasn't just a physical pain, but it was a pain of inner turmoil that taunted him. It haunted him in life. And we know this because the scripture tells us that from birth, his mother named him after her experience. She she didn't just cry out, oh, I'm in pain. She said, Jabez, you are a pain. Now, what's interesting about this is that in these days, these biblical times at which Jabez was born... A name was more than just a name. A name was a decree of your destiny. A name determined your function in life. It determined your path in life. It was prophetic. And so the name Jabez means to grieve. It means one who brings sorrow. And it all started at his birth. So get this, from birth, Jabez was called one who would cause grief. He was told you are a pain, you are a weight. How many of you know that? That's messed up, right? And if you know anything about this, what we, what we hear and what we learn and what we become conditioned to from a very young age really does factor into how we proceed in life, what we believe for life. And so we can easily conclude that Jabez did not only grow to believe that he was a pain, that he brought grief, He learned to live through it. He lived out of it. His life lived out of the flow of that. And it created complications for him. But as the scripture tells us, one day that changed. And we got to appreciate the magnitude of what this took. You know, it takes something to break out of what you've known all your life and seek something different. I said it takes something really from deep within To go past all you've known and believe for something greater and take steps towards it. And what I love about the scripture is that while his pain was the equivalent of a curse, while it was a boundary that kept him trapped, and it sheltered him in his own isolation of loneliness, and it was the source of all his troubles and pain, Jabez's life tells us that we can all push past the limitations that keep us stuck. Friend, this is not just Jabez's story. This is our story because God is all into change and God wants to bring change to your life. If I could just summarize this scripture, if I could just give you one point to leave with, it's this, it's time for change. I said it's time for change. Now I want you to consider this as we're digging through this. What might God be challenging you to change? What is the challenge that God is causing you to face and calling you to step past in this moment? Because that's where your breakthrough is. That's what God is saying to you right now. So for the next couple of moments that I have here, I want to share a couple of things with you that are practical, but require not just reflection, they require application. It's biblical wisdom that if we apply it will lead us to biblical results, good results. So the first point that I want to propose to you today is that what you are unwilling to change eventually becomes your greatest challenge. Let me say that again. What you are unwilling to change eventually becomes your greatest challenge. Listen, any area that we're stuck in, the truth is this, we've played a part in it, right? There's something that we've resisted changing. So as we read, Jabez grew up with this deep-seated belief that he was a pain, That his life was one, not only full of sorrow, but that produced sorrow wherever he went. Jabez lived depressed and oppressed, right? This was a challenge for him. And what we see from his life is that at some point, like Jabez, we have to align our will with what God says he can do so that we can overcome the internal pain and sorrows that limit us from what we can't do on our own. It's a point of decision. Now, here's the truth, many of us want change. Would you agree, how many of you are ready for some change? Right? Hey, I got great news for you if you're ready for some change. That accomplishes nothing. Being ready for change accomplishes nothing. Intending to change accomplishes nothing. Wanting change accomplishes nothing, right? now i know that's challenging but we got to push past the challenge we've got to realize that many want change but don't see it because we treat change like the change in our pocket we don't treat change as valuable remember god is in the details of change god operates where there's a willing vessel to change this is partnership with god right And so at some point, we have to align our will with what God can do, with what the scriptures reveal to us, with what God is able to do in his infinite wisdom. Almighty God, the scripture tells us, is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond what we ask or imagine. That word imagine there means think. But what's interesting is that the scripture declares in Ephesians 3 there that it's according to the work in us. See, something has to begin to work in us. Something has to begin to click and shift and, and, and create momentum. We have to begin to take steps so that change can become possible. And we can't treat it like ordinary change, right? See, wanting to change changes nothing, as I said. It's, there's no value in it. But when we become willing to change, how do we, how do we, how do we become willing? We begin to override our will. And our understanding and our limited experience with the truth and the promise that the word of God declares. And the scripture gives us a great example in that in a time where Jesus had been resurrected. The book of Acts says that uh, for 40 days he went about presenting himself to people, showing them, hey, I am risen. And he began to teach them about the kingdom. And one of the great things that happened in Acts chapter 1 records is that he said, you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And there was an infusion, there was a, 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 a uplifting that took place in the early church in this group of believers that empowered them. And there was an evidence of this speaking in tongues. It's something that's still available and very much alive if we're willing to participate in it. But that, I don't have time to get into that. My point is that there was a power that these people uh, uh, um, received that was evident. And the people that were witnessing this, the scripture records, began to question, what is this crazy stuff going on? They have to be drunk. Something's going on here. These people are wacky. And Peter gets up in that moment and he begins to challenge their limited thinking. He begins to declare to them that this is the promise in the book of Joel that declared that in in, in the latter days that the old would dream dreams and the young would see visions and there would be this uprising, this power of God that would be manifested. And the Bible says that as these people heard about the message of Jesus, And they were challenged by the fact that Peter told them, you crucified him, but he's alive. And I'm declaring to you good news, the scripture says that the people were cut to the heart. And if you study that out in the Greek, what you'll see is that something shifted deep within them. Where they were unwilling to receive Jesus and hear about Jesus, now all of a sudden, something shifts. There's a pendulum shift. They went from one extreme to another and their will was aligned with the word of God. How do we know that? Because Acts chapter 3 verse 19 says that Peter said to them, this is what you do. Because they asked him, what are we supposed to do then? Now knowing this, he says, repent therefore. Let me translate that for you into regular English terms. Turn around. Turn around. He says, repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. Watch the power in this that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus. You know what we begin to see here? That change is not something that we should be crying out for. Change requires a matter of the will where we turn around. Where we turn around. Around, friend, we have to turn around in our decisions. We have to turn around in what is true and what is right. We have to look to the realities of what the scripture reveals and we have to say, This is not the will of God and this is the will of God. Let me give you an example that I grew up in a home where poverty was king. Poverty was king. We truly believe, listen, my mother did the best that she could raising six kids by herself. And in raising us, we didn't have much. I didn't have the sneakers that some of you young people had. Right? We didn't have some of the things that you had. Listen, we ate rice with everything. I thought that was normal. I found out when I got married that you can't eat rice with spaghettis. That that's abnormal. My wife told, I told my wife, listen, that's, that my mother raised us that way. She goes, well, I'm not your mother. Repent. <laughs> What's my point with that? My point with that is that we grew up believing we were poor. And you know what I discovered as I began to dig into the word of God and begin to walk my journey of faith with Jesus? That poverty has nothing to do with money. Poverty is a mindset. Poverty is a belief system. right? Poverty, and and, and mind you, here's how that works. Once you begin to believe I am poor, your will will be inclined to act poor. To not look for anything further than what the circumstances may dictate in the present. Are you getting where I'm coming from? And so there needs to be a shift of the will, right? We can't enter into times of refreshment if we're aligning our will with what is not God's will. Friends, the scripture puts it this way. Beloved, I pray that you prosper and that you be in health in all things as your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions, as that begins to prosper, as you begin to step out of where you've been stuck. Amen? Amen. Come on and give God some praise if you believe God's calling you to some greater things. Hallelujah. So instead of praying for money, because that's not God's will, pray according to what the word says. What is God's will? Deuteronomy 8 puts it this way These hands, He's giving you the power to prosper. Right? To create wealth. So instead of praying for money, pray for opportunity. Pray, God, open my understanding to see what these hands can prosper at. What you want to do through these hands and the opportunities that you've laid up for me. It's time to shift our thinking. It's time to go where God is taking us. It's time to turn around. Because if we don't, friends, the things that we resist at changing will eventually become our challenges. The second point that I wanna leave you with here is that all lasting change begins within. Let me say that again. All lasting change begins within. It starts within. Jabez overcame in an area where most don't. He won the battle within. How do we know that? The scripture tells us that he was more honorable than his brothers. In the Hebrew, here's what that's actually saying. He had greater substance, but it was a substance. It was a belief. It was a convincing that had taken place in him. It was a substance that makes one rise to the place of honor. And so while Jabez was stuck, for all these years, something changed. And it wasn't his circumstances. It wasn't his family. It wasn't his friends. Friends, it was within. Within. It was deep within. Jabez realized, man, God actually can do something greater than what I see here. God actually is in the business of inviting me to change beyond my circumstances. See, the belief that God could bless him and that God would take him beyond the boundaries of his pain became so powerful it became so cemented in his heart and in his mind that it convinced him that he not only could push towards God, but it drove him to believe that God had turned toward him and that there was a dawning of a new day and that God was pushing him to a place called territory. Jabez prays this. He gets this revelation. There's substance to what he believes now. Beyond the circumstances. And Jabez prays, oh, that you would bless me and that you would enlarge my territory. Mm -hmm. What's interesting is in the Hebrew, when he talks about enlarging my territory, he's not talking about changing my circumstances. He's not talking about changing my family. He's not talking about changing my financial status. He's not talking about changing my location. Why? Because you can change all those things and you'll still take you there. You'll still take the thinking there. You'll still take the erroneous beliefs there. And so when Jabez prays, enlarge my territory in the Hebrew, here's what he's saying. Exceedingly abound the limits of my coastline. That's what he's saying in the Hebrew. Think of it this way. The book of Job says this. It says that God has decreed to what extent, how far the waters go, right? We see evidence of that when you walk on a beach, you go to a lake, You'll see the demarcation early in the morning where the coast went up to, and then it recedes. And so here's what Jabez actually was praying. He was saying, God, enlarge my territory, not my circumstances. Enlarge me in the place of my limitations in my belief and my thinking. Enlarge me there. See, we're praying for change in circumstances, and God is telling us today, Start praying for change in your thinking. Start submitting to me that erroneous thinking, that stinking thinking. And so how do we begin to do this? I'm so glad you asked that question. (laughs) Ephesians 4, starting at verse 22, begins to give us some indication of that. Watch what it says. It says, to put off your what? Old self. Right? Put off the old self. How do we do that? It says, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt. Watch this. Through deceitful desires. Let's leave that up there for a moment. I want you to consider where the old self is. What's operating in the old self? According to the scripture, it's telling us that in the old self are old desires. Our old wants. Our old beliefs. Our old ways. And in that old ways, in those old ways, what we see is that there's something corrupt. There's something corrupt. But watch verse 23. It tells us how we begin to shift. It says, be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Don't renew your circumstances. No, renew your mind. Renew your inner being. Renew your thinking. Renew your believing. Renew the vision that lies deep within you. And verse 24 says, and to put on what? The new self. And when we put on the new self, here's what we're putting on, which is created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So let's break this down. What is the scripture telling us? The issue is not the problems. Our issue is not our circumstances. That's not where the challenge lies. Our issue lies in what we remember. The challenge is in what we defer to that's behind us. And friend, what's behind you was never meant to propel you forward. Your old experiences have nothing to do with the new thing that God is doing. Listen closely. The Bible says this, old things have passed away. But then it says this, behold. Behold. Take a hold of this. Behold. All things are new you are a new creation right jesus put it this way you can't put wine into old wineskins because the old right those that you you put you try to put the new in the old those wineskins burst right it's destructive to think we can bring the old into the new god doesn't work that way and so you see the issue is the corrupt Deceitful things that we defer to back there. But the challenge that we all have to face is what lies ahead. Friend, you can't talk yourself into something new while talking old. You have to tell yourself a new story. His story. What does his story declare? His story declares that he's created you for good works. His story declares that you can do all things through Christ who is your strength. His story declares that you are blessed coming in and blessed going out. His story declares that you are a masterpiece, not a mess. His story declares that greater is He operating in you than he that is against you in this world. His story says you can when everybody tells you you can. not His story overrides your history. And so like Jabez, life's greatest limits are not in the form of circumstances. Mm-mm. Life's challenges, life's limits are in the form of the thoughts that we've formed according to what we remember. Friend, simply put, if your context for change is your past, you can't. It won't work. The next point that I want to leave you with here is that change is a challenge when we blend in instead of standing out. Let me say that again. Change is a challenge when we blend in instead of standing out. I love that the scripture records specifically it states that Jabez was the one, the one, the one and only who prayed to the God of Israel. That tells us something that his brothers didn't, that his circle didn't. In other words, Jabez stepped out of the pack. He stepped ahead of the past. And he said, I'm going to turn to God and I'm going to dare to dream a new dream. I'm gonna dare to begin to envision something greater than where where I'm at And my context is that there is a God who says he can bless me, and he will bless me. Friend, I've got good news for you. The blessing of God has nothing to do with your behavior. Come on, The blessing of God has nothing to do with your behavior. Let me tell you why I say that. Because if behavior is the means by which we get everything from God, we don't need Jesus. We just need to behave. But you see, God works in broken places. God works amongst our flaws. The scripture puts it this way, when I'm weak, because we do get weak, because we do have weaknesses, when I'm weak, then I am strong. Why? Because it's his strength, not ours. Amen? Amen. And so what does that mean? We all qualify, right? But what we see is that Jabez was different. See, God is all about change, but what we learn from his life is that we have to step into that change by stepping out of the crowd. Friends. If you feel stuck at any point in your life, I would encourage you to also think about not just your mindset, but some of the people that influence your mindset. Your circle. You know, your circle determines your circumference. It determines how much further you can go. And I don't know about you, but I've had people in my life, man, that they they hung out a little bit too long, and not because they hung out, it's because I hung with them. And it's time to change that circle. The scripture tells us of a time of a woman who had been struggling with an issue of blood. We don't know the particulars of this deal, of the situation, but what we do know is this. Historically, that in those times, and even to this day in Jewish culture where they follow the law, if a woman had any issue of blood, a flow of blood, she was to refrain from being amongst people. Why? Because according to the law, Jewish law, she was ceremonially unclean. In other words, she could not be amongst people. And if she was going to be amongst people, she had to declare, I'm unclean. And everybody had to go, oh, she got the cooties. (laughs) Right, back up. Stay away from her. Now, what we do know is that this woman went through whatever issue this was for 12 years. Can you imagine the shame, the guilt, the weight of this in her life? And scripture tells us that for 12 years, she endured this and she went to doctors and she was none the better. She exhausted all her resources. But one day that changed. You see, Jesus was walking past this region, and he was on his way to heal the daughter of a religious leader. And the crowds, they were amassed. They were all walking in the same direction with him, and this woman was there, and she did what she shouldn't have. She walked in the crowd, and she did not announce her quote-unquote uncleanness. But there's a reason why she began to push not just into the crowd, but past the crowd. See, something shifted. Watch what shifted. Mark five twenty eight says, because she thought. She what? She thought. she thought. See, she started thinking differently. Right? And this thinking differently caused her to push past the crowd. She thought to herself, if I just touch his clothes if I could just touch just the hem of his garment, if I could just get near to God, I will be healed. Friends, when you begin to break out from the crowd, you begin to step into your miracle. You begin to step into the place of change. Why? Because God doesn't operate with the crowd. God operates outside that limiting crowd. God, to tell three people, change your circle. Come on, change your circle, amen. See, the moment she left the circle around her, she stepped into her miracle. She stepped into her miracle. The last point that I want to leave you with here, and this requires reading it correctly, right, it's this. It's that change requires read that correctly. Big ask faith. Now, just by some of your responses... (laughs) I could tell some of you need to have some change in your thinking. Yeah, there's some limitations being broken right now. But I want you to consider this. Jabez prayed, oh, that you would bless me. God, that you would place your hand upon my life. that you would operate here, that you would look upon me, said all that you would bless me, and that you would enlarge me beyond the coastline of my limits, my stinking thinking, my history, my doubts. That was a big ask. That was the biggest ask that Jabez had ever made. Why? Because it challenged what his life had been all about up until that point. And I'm telling you, friends, that walking with God is an invitation to ask big. To ask big. Jesus put it this way ask, some of you can finish this with me asking, you shall receive. Seek. And you shall find, knock, and the door will be open to you. I want you to see that God's not the problem in change. We are. Why? Because for some of us, we're not even asking. We're not even asking. And if we are asking, we're asking incorrectly. We're asking for a change in circumstances where we should be asking God change me. Help me change in my stinking thinking. Help me see a new vision for life. Now I know for some of us we might think, well, I don't qualify, man. I can't go to God. You don't understand my deal. No, you don't understand who Jesus was talking to when he penned these words. Matthew 7.11 tells us who he was talking to when he said, Ask, seek, and you shall find. And knock, and the door will be open to you. Matthew 7.11 says, if you then, though you are evil, He's talking to people who were not even followers. He's talking to people like you and me who we've messed up. And he says, if you, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. Watch this. How much what? More. more. Come on, say that nice and I nice. said, How much what? More. more. How much more will your father in heaven, watch this, give good gifts to those who ask him? You want to know how to ask big? Ask for change in the place of your greatest challenge. Now, I want you to hear clearly what we're saying here. Ask for God to renew you and help you see something different. How does that happen? Yeah, we ask, but then we seek. And the scriptures are riddled with truth and promises that begin to depict the future that for some of us we've never thought is possible. The Bible puts it this way. It tells us that that God does exceedingly, abundantly, above, beyond what we could ask or imagine. It tells us that no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor has it entered the hearts of men. The things that God has in store for those who love Him. Friends, I'm telling you right now there's more beyond the boundary that you're challenged. with. Let's stand here today. And as you stand, I want you to take it as a step. I want you to see it as a place, an actual exercise in shifting from this place of limitations to believing that God can do more and does and has done more than you could ever imagine on your own. But today we leave with this reality That we must challenge our perception of change. And we must embrace it. Because God operates in the midst of willing vessels. Willing to change. Amen. Amen. Come on if you believe God is speaking to you today. Go ahead and raise your hands. Go ahead and give God some praise this morning. As we turn our hearts and our minds to God. I want to encourage you to go back to that thing that you've been thinking about that is your greatest challenge. Where you've been stuck in that fixed mindset. Where you've been limited in your belief. And right here, right now, is the place where it can all change. But friend, You have to challenge it. You have to recognize that it is God's will that you be well. It is God's will that you prosper. It is God's will that you walk in health. It is God's will that you and your spouse be one. That nothing separates you. It is God's will that there be peace in your home. It is God's will that you advance in your workplace. It is God's will that you rise in greater measure and be used by God. It is God's will. But you must be willing to challenge that place where you've been stuck. Starts within. Right here, right now, Lord, we raise our hands and our hearts. Believing, God, that you are calling us to change. Knowing, God, that you would not invite us to change if it weren't possible. And like Jabez today, we dare to be that one who asks. We ask big, oh, that you would bless me. Oh, that you would enlarge my territory. Oh, that you would help me push past this pain to believe for greater things, to heal, to be restored. Today, God, we look to you knowing that change is not our challenge anymore. You've made it all possible. We believe in you. We trust in you. We embrace change. We determine to make choices for greater change. That's very possible there's someone here today. Maybe you're joining us online. And as you're hearing this message, it resonates with you deeply because you can identify with feeling challenged, with living in a place of limits. Friend, if that's you, and you recognize that's the place where you've been challenged, you must also realize this, that for the very first time, maybe you're hearing God speak to you, and he's inviting you to push past the challenge, to step into the place of change and transformation. His will is to bless you. It's not to harm you, not to hurt you. No, it's to prosper you. It's to give you hope and a sure future. And if you believe that today, you must understand this first and foremost. That before you could ever choose change, God enacted the very thing that we needed to change. You see, there's this issue of sin, and it's not the things that we do. That's just the fruit of the root operating in our hearts apart from God. See, sin is a very real thing in all mankind before we know God. But Jesus said, I never created them to be sinners. I created them to be saints. I created them to live an abundant life. But I understand their challenge, they can't fix it. Though they broke it, they can't fix it. And so because a man messed it up, it's gonna take a man to make a miracle. He came in the form of a man, died the penalty of sin, but then he rose again, not just to prove he's God, but to prove that we can rise to, to prove that we can go from a mess to a miracle, that we can walk in long-lasting change.